0: You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at Remax Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at RE-MAX Advantage
1: Plus.
2: I'm sorry, what?
1: So Chris, <laughs> the big question of the week is, when are you coming back?
0: You know, I just—I was just writing it down because I did. You did mention right before the show about my attire, and I have now been on the road for 14 days, and so you tend to run out of stuff in that time.
2: Um, Chris, question: Is but it scary being? I'm a not going to be on the road. What's that? Is it scary being a fugitive?
0: <laughs> <But like laughs> no one can catch me.
2: <laughs> you can't catch me, IRS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: sorry. Oh, baby, Do I look? don't think that sent to
2: you. No. Hey, uh, show us. Get a little closer, Chris. Let's let's see that. Uh, look at that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep.
2: Yeah. I I couldn't wear that because I'd have powdered sugar on mine from all my donuts and stuff. You know.
0: You know what though? <laughs> if you go back, I mean, back to uh, Courtney's thing about the caricature thing. Yeah. If you look on that, it looks like you kind of got a five o'clock shadow. I was looking at that because I'm like, yeah, I'm not gonna have to switch does. my my look. Yeah. Oh, and I don't sure. have, I don't. So kinda I'm
2: just does, trying to be Andy. like
0: Andy. Oh, yeah. that's
1: so sweet, Chris.
0: I know. That's why I'm trying to be like Andy.
2: Wearing a hula shirt. <laughs> I wanna, I wanna know who directed the artwork on the last time we had this done. That was, that was the <laughs> Weird. He's like, uh, no matter what, make me look better than the other guy.
0: Uh, hey, i just trying to depict.
2: Did you really do who that,
0: you man? are? He's a fun-loving, fun guy. I mean, that's a. I think that's a great depiction of him.
2: Thank you. Hey, I uh, speaking yeah. of, we had a, a fun event last weekend. Um, our little team did a. Uh, uh, in, Cause we normally do a movie event where we invite all of our past customers out. We win prizes. We have, you know, all the concessions are included. It's actually last year we had over 440 people that came out. So it, it's getting to be a pretty good sized event. Well, this year, of course, you you know, you can't do it. So we last weekend, um, t- we, we, oh my gosh, we've been brainstorming of what can we do? You know, what are things we can do? And so we finally, I think it was Lisa, my wife came up with the idea of saying, Hey, let's go out and give family portraits for people, you know, so our daughter who does that, you know, uh, as a business, Hannah Photography on Instagram, um, they, uh, so she took everybody out in the woods, and actually with their, this uh, Henry Woods over in Rogers, it's really cute, it has, you know, barn, an old barn, some bridges, some trees, anyway, we shot all these family photos, so every 15 minutes, another group would come in, and I'll tell you what, it it was uh, a really neat opportunity to get out and you can tell people are lonely. I'll be honest with you. Um, people are full of conversations. They want to talk. I mean, they'd get there early to their photo shoot. The photo shoots are 15 minutes, but we'd sit there talking and talking. And it was uh, of course safely, you know, but it was uh man, what a, what a great opportunity. Um, you know, trying something different. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And you guys did some, you raised some toys for toys for tots at the same time.
2: Well, that was all of our our clients. We haven't had a chance to go out and and add to that bunch yet, but all of our clients that came brought uh, toys, um, kind of a toy drive kind of fun thing too, but I I think they were saying that there's quite a need this year um, for that. So we thought, what a great way to, you know, who doesn't like kids, right?
1: Well, I think that maybe there was some confusion this year because a lot of the organizations said that they could not accept actual toy donations. Yeah. And and I, that probably mixed the message up with um, with them. But here's a picture from your your yeah. photo shoot with the remix balloon.
2: Should I get any closer with my fat face? Oh my god! <laughs> I we we set up Lisa set up the table, and you know that I got that uh, new GMC with the plug in the back. So I actually plugged in that balloon, and it sat there because there was no electric out oh, cool. there. It's kind of fun. That's awesome. Yeah, I love my new truck.
0: I love I love that little barn.
2: It's Isn't so cute. That, and then there was actually there's a bit, you can see kind of behind the pine trees, there's a big hill. And some of the other photographers go up there and then they get that perspective shot down where it looks like you're floating in the trees. It's kind of cool. Um, we didn't we didn't have enough time to do that, of course, but is this someone um, getting their picture
1: taken back here?
2: Yes. As we that was one of our clients as we spoke. Yep. Oh, cool. That's yep. awesome. What a great location. Yeah, that's a a, a family that back in the eighteen hundreds had that farm and they, they wanted it to be a legacy in the, the woods behind us actually real I'll be real quick. The woods behind there actually was full of elm trees back in the day. And then Dutch elm came along, all those trees fell down. Well, I don't know if you knew this, but when elm trees decompose, they actually, for whatever reason, sprout the morel mushrooms. And so, yeah, so this was like the morel mushroom capital of the world for like 10 years It was just full of these mushrooms because of all the dead elm trees. Well, in the meantime, they also have maple trees. So they also produce syrup and all these kind of fun little facts. I was, well, I was there literally nine hours. So (laughs) I had time to research. (laughs) uh, Anyway, what what a great, great little park. If you ever want your photos, nice place to go.
1: Awesome. Yeah. So Chris, you didn't answer the question. When are you coming back?
0: Uh. Let's just say I've been gone 14 days, but I won't be gone 15 days.
1: Oh, are you coming back today?
0: Yeah, I'm finishing up my stuff. I mean, I I did I did escape, um, but I I used to before uh, the market um, was a constant year round thing, um, but there was a little lull, and so I took advantage of it. Now I've been doing stuff online, and I'm trying to kind of come up with different marketing um, things uh, for 2021 and 2022. And so it was really nice uh, to get away and do that. So I'm actually finishing it up today and I'll have it. Then I'll, then I'm going to tell Andy all about it and tell him how he can help me.
2: Yeah. Right. He always excludes <laughs> me for some reason. You should include me. I'm a hard worker, Chris.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, you it's interesting. I know we're going to get to our topic, but I didn't want to uh, miss an opportunity when Andy was talking about the disease trees, the elm trees and stuff like that. Um, that I've had that, Not not necessarily elm trees, but disease trees and trees falling down, um, Be a a bigger problem this year than I've seen uh, in a long time, um, where I think people are realizing, you know, even on acreage properties, when there's uh, trees are down, you know, they end up getting stuck with it unless they ask for it. And I've been just seeing a lot more even uh, on inspections and when they're writing the offers people asking for those trees to get taken care of because it's not cheap uh, to be able to clean all those up and get them down. I just had one go down on the property I sold and uh, I mean it was a I mean huge but the other go back about 15 years I had one property that uh, well more than that it was the storm of 97 it may of 97 you see it on disclosure statements all the time and um, we had uh, we, we were living on Crystal Lake. Uh, kind of in that, in that Burnsville Lakeville uh, district there. And I went away, we had a baseball uh, game that weekend and Minnesota got hit. And my wife calls me and all, we had huge oak trees. Now this was on the water, on the lake, all four of these monster oak trees went over and I was out of town. And I mean, I would have had to call someone anyways, but uh, my wife turned around and um the neighbors come over and they cut them all down, take care of everything for us, which was crazy. Um, but I had it sold at that time and we were waiting to close and the buyers came and said, well, we want those trees replaced. I'm like, okay, 200 year Oaks, how am I going to replace those things? But it did change the, the, the look of what that house was from a up North cabin feel, uh, to a, um, you know, a, Hey, it's just it's uh, on lake on a lakefront and at lily pads. Uh, it was really what it was, and uh, ended up we ended up working it out. But uh, oh, look at those clouds!
2: Nice job! It,
1: it's oh crystal my crystal. gosh! I love it! It looks uh, awesome.
2: I years ago, you guys, I, I I spent all this money on these stupid cloud fonts, you know, so that I could put to like secretly put things on in the clouds on like, you know, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. And uh, so thank you for letting me uh, use those this morning.
0: So can you repeat what I said about the trees? Because you probably weren't listening to me.
2: I know I did. And I think that there do you was, agree? Um, I actually know a guy that specializes in 800 year old elm trees. Uh, <laughs> well, Chris, is, um, Chris, We
1: kind of live by each other because my parents live just down the road from Crystal Lake.
0: Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that was a that was an interesting thing, but uh, I've just seen it come up more and more. And when Andy said that, I just wanted to bring that up.
2: That's that's the lake that's right by Buck Hill, right there, right? Yep, kinda. Yeah, across the freeway. Yeah.
0: Okay. It's Crystal Lake, Orchard, and Marion are all kind of right next to each other.
2: I'm I, I believe I'm bidding on a house to build on that lake right now. It's a teardown, um, so every cross your fingers. Hopefully, we'll hear tomorrow. We got the the project.
0: It's interesting, those lakes have been really uh, up in their game. Lake Marion has gotten some monsters on it now, Um, whereas, you know, people are kind of going, hey, you know what, south of the river, Prior Lakes kind of, you're saying, if you do it, and, uh, you know, it's kind of pricing some people out, and people are taking, you know, the Lakeville and the Lake Marion, and, uh, I mean, there's there's a house that's over $3 million going out there now on Lake Marion, so –
2: crazy.
1: That's awesome. But We'll
0: cross our fingers, Andy, for you.
1: New construction going up down there. Yeah. So today we're talking a little bit about the current market. And one of the questions that I know you guys have gotten a lot of recently with the number, the way that numbers have been going up, property values have been going up is, are we headed for another housing market collapse? Will there be a mass swath of foreclosures after the craziness of this year. And um, we've talked a little bit about that over the last couple of months, but we haven't actually done a deeper dive on it. So we're talking about whether or not we could potentially be headed towards a foreclosure market. And I think you both kind of have the same opinion on this, but I'll let you kind of give a high level jump in on what your thoughts are. You
2: want me Any? to go
0: first? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I want to see the stats. I want to see the stats first before I talk. I do have my uh, I do have my opinions for sure, but um, and I I don't see I don't see anything happening uh, in the near future with that. I mean, as when the inventory continues, I mean I've got someone looking, um, you know, in that six to seven fifty range, and there's nothing unless you want to build it, you know, and it's just crazy.
1: That is one of the stats that we were going to talk a little bit about today. Nationally, the inventory for homes of homes for sale has decreased 39% year over year. So there's 39% fewer homes on the market today than there were a year ago. And um, that's significant. And that's part of the reason why home prices are going up, I would assume.
2: I, I agree. You know, um, I'll, I'll jump in a little bit here. I think that there's... A couple, you know, and I had this conversation actually uh, yesterday twice with two people thinking about listing their houses, and you know, it's where are we going? How are we? And I, I gave the analogy that we gave a couple of weeks ago, where you're driving through, you know, South Dakota and you're going 80 miles an hour, okay, and you get used to going 80 miles an hour, and then you hit the Minnesota border and you got to slow her down to 65, and it literally feels like you're you're crawling, and I, I think that what's going to happen here is that. Um, A couple things. So that example is what I think is happening in the housing. So you're seeing, again, some markets with eight, nine percent appreciation, which is that 80 mile an hour. That's too fast. Um, Historically, we're at like three to four percent right in there, depending on which chart you want to look at for appreciation. And I think we're going to fall back on that. All the stats are showing um, and all the analytics uh, that we look at from economists and everything else are kind of showing They're predicting anywhere from a three to a four, five percent. I think was the most optimistic I saw for appreciation next year. And so, four
1: point five percent from the National Association
2: of Realtors is one of those higher end. Yeah, and Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac I think are down around two percent. So, what's interesting is is that they they pay you know thousands of dollars to have these economists analyze all the data. They look at the stats, they look at the debt ratios, they look at the income, they look at the affordability indexes, they look at all that stuff, and they think that housing is going to continue chugging along. What they're anticipating, though, is that rates will stay low. If something changes, you know, some world event where awesome rates jump up, um, I do think that you'll see some people showing some hesitation. But man, I'll tell you, right now, with the amount of people that own their houses free and clear, like in Minnesota, it's it's over 40%. And it's it's one of those stats that, you know, the baby boomers have things that are paid for. Those houses don't get foreclosed on. You know, then there was like 60% of the remaining people of that, of the survey they did where they, they look at it and say they have significant equity, which means over 40% equity in their homes. People don't lose houses with 40% equity. When mm-hmm. you have equity, equity equals options. So people that are, are concerned about like the forbearances and things that were hitting our market earlier this year, I think you've got a country of opportunists. I think there were a lot of people that did not need a forbearance that just said, hey, we cannot pay our payments for four months. Let's do that. Not realizing what was happening. So what everybody's really concerned about is, watching these uh, houses that are coming out of forbearance um, once they're required to, are they going to bounce back and continue to stay current or are they going to start defaulting? And I'm telling you, there's too much equity for defaults. And if they did default, what'll happen is good for all the buyers that have been sitting on the sidelines because then there'll be more inventory and people will be motivated to sell, you know? Um, But they're not going to give it away again. I'm telling you, they don't have to, they can sit and be patient. Um, So, you know, I think the only wave of, of, uh, any disturbance at all was some of the foreclosures that were happening recently were FHA, you know, the three and a half percent buyers that had something to do with uh, a program. And I read about it, but it wasn't a big deal. Not enough to even you know, concern yourself with. So anyway, there were- so I don't think there's any foreclosure crisis coming at all. There was a stat, and this
1: is from the beginning of October, so it's a little bit outdated, but CNBC came out to talk about the forbearance uh, program and how how it's, I think it's a quarterly program. So basically you put your payments on hold for a quarter and then you either renew it or you come out of that. And that a lot of people that even go into the forbearance program are still paying their mortgage. Like they're not stopping paying, uh, but they're in the, I assume that people did that just to protect themselves in case they needed it. But the numbers keep declining. People are coming as those quarterly renewals come up, people are coming out of that program. And as of early October, they had cut the number uh, by like 25% already of people that had come out of that program that originally signed up for it. Uh, and now we're two months beyond that. So I would assume that those numbers are continuing to come
2: down. Oh, well, for sure. I think just like the PPP money that was out there, I think there's people that were just, hey, if it's available, we might as well do it. So, you know, even if they didn't need it at the time, they did it just in case they do in the future. Um, But, you know, a lot of people are concerned now about all these people that did the PPP money. But remember now, if they forgive that money, there's a tax obligation on that money when it's forgiven. So either you pay it back or if you ask for it to be forgiven, then you pay tax on it. So the Fed's going to end up getting probably 30, 40 percent of that money back. And, you know, because most companies will want to charge it to zero and, and close it out for the year, whatever their tax rate is. Um, so you will see some of that money coming back. I know there was, I, anyway, I don't want to talk like an economist. I'm not. I sell houses. I like building <laughs> houses. Um, I like hassling Chris Rooney.
0: Well, I think, too, you know, you you look at rentals, and I, I received uh, something that talked about, you know, people that are in kind of the bigger professionally managed market rate apartments that uh, last year uh, the percentage was 95.2% um, were uh, paying, they were paying the rent and now it's 93.6. So it's it's gone down just a little, but uh, it is a, it's a trend that that's not happening. But I think the other thing here is that the last time this happened was not really that long ago. And I think um, people uh, remember that and they remember what to do and not to do, but I mean, if anyone's in trouble, like right now, or they think they're going to be in trouble, they're still very easily can get out of their house without having a rapid uh, fall. So um, I think what happened last time was there was a normal, uh, normal inventory, maybe even just a little high, because people are trying to, to make it, and then all of a sudden everyone's got scared, and then everyone put their stuff on. And when you have, you know, um, five times the amount of listings that we do right now at one time, you know, with uh, less buyers interested in, well, obviously that's what starts happening. And then one person goes down and, uh, um, you know, uh, Courtney, you're going into a, an area uh, where you're buying that uh, that's exactly what happened to that area. And it's taken a long time um, for it, for it to come back. And now it has come back, but it, it's kind of almost like a domino effect. When domino effects happen, um, that's, that's when there's problems.
2: Well, and and I think you should it, for those of us that are listening that uh, probably don't have their arms fully around what he's saying. Uh, you know, a house that's in that area that sold for one point three million yeah. back in two thousand and four, and they didn't have enough money to cover the payments. They were on a stated income product. They thought, hey, let's buy this million dollar plus house, and it'll go up twenty percent a year, and then we'll sell it in a couple of years and make three four hundred grand. It was almost like a bad investment structure. And then those houses sold for $599. And now they're remodeled and selling for $6.99. They're still not anywhere near replacement cost. So I still see some of those areas and pockets where it's just a wonderful investment opportunity. If you want to have that size house with you know that kind of space and and you know amenities, it's a it's still a fantastic time to buy. Of course, make sure you can afford it. And I'll tell you what, right now the banks won't let you buy it if you can't. So it's like our, our lending practices are pretty tight right now. I mean, when you lend money at two and a half, three 3%, oh my gosh, they got you a strong, they, you know, they really scrutinize you. If, if interest rates were at 15%, you could fog a mirror and they'd probably let you sign the deal and, and move in, you know? Mm-hmm. You Listen here, L- loan shark over there, Courtney. <laughs> yeah, we Why would
0: you say that to me? Up.
2: We know where everybody comes <laughs> to get their money. Mama. Oh yeah,
1: I'm so I'm <laughs> loaded, Andy, so loaded.
2: <laughs> These are hard money lending source on the show. <laughs> <You> <laughs> if know, anyone Andy, would
1: be the lender on this show, it would be the guy right next to me, Chris Rooney.
2: Yeah.
0: False, well, but anyways, I was gonna say on Andy where he's, well, he's talking about yeah this uh this whole um you know good deal, and I think that it's it's interesting when you say that because I think some people equate a good deal with, hey, I got it this much under the list price, and that's not necessarily the truth. It's like, hey, you can pay full price and still get a good deal if you're able to take advantage of what that house gives you. And so it's like what we were saying about that area, you know, that was 1.2. You're getting it for 700000 I mean, and now make it into something that you want to be able to do it, but you are getting a good value um, at that point. But I think a lot of times what happens when those were built at 1.2 and now they're six, $700,000 is that whatever they put in here that made it to 1.2 is probably not what's really cool right now, you right. know? And so, but I mean, the, the quality and the, the size and the, all that stuff still there, you just have to kind of play around with maybe what's inside of it.
1: Yeah. That's where we're at with our house too, where everything needs to be kind of just Ours is actually, the house we bought is actually kind of updated. It just needs um, some more updating, but it's just, you know, you have to go into it with a budget to make it what you want it to be. And it's not going to be perfect, but at the same time, the quality of the houses that were built back in the early 2000s or even the 90s is very strong. And so it's not stuff that you necessarily have to replace right away. You can live with it for a while, if even if it's, you know, aesthetically not up to today's standards, (laughs)
0: totally and the thing is it's only it's only you only have to worry about that i mean if you're worrying about hey what what it'll take to be able to get this sold it doesn't matter whatever you like is is totally fine it's just like you just have to know what the market likes at the time that you're going to turn around and sell it
2: well you and, know, uh, yeah and i agree with you chris i think there was back in the day you know they they talked about like the the median house value in this area has gone up seven percent Well, let's say we're all sitting in a restaurant and the average net worth is $500,000. And then Warren Buffett walks in the room. What happens to that median number, right? It gets skewed. And so what's happening is if you look into the individual pricing buckets of where your house is listed, you can see the actual appreciation that's been happening in that price range. Some houses are not seeing appreciation yet um, in some price ranges. Some are actually still receding a little bit because nobody wants that tax obligation or they don't want that much maintenance or that much management and i'm telling you the simplistic side of people's thinking is is really starting to become prevalent with the way they shop they want that one level easy living um or they want the lake but they don't want 300 feet of frontage unless they're building a mansion they they want something that's easy to maintain i'm seeing people actually now asking me to find 50 foot to 75 foot uh frontages because they don't want to manage so much lakeshore so it's it's interesting how i think times have changed again you know, I jokingly called my grandfather the eat your fat generation. You know, they went through all of that depression and everything. And, the, you know, you eat your fat. There, there's not enough food to share. And and they went through those times where they did really interesting things. And I think we've all been, uh, I don't want to say the word scarred, but the, the housing crisis that hit us in the early 2000s, for those of us that were around, I think we still have that eat your fat generation kind of mentality. And we're fearful that we're going to go hungry again. So we still keep saving. I mean, saving rates are through the roof. People are putting a lot of money down when they buy something. People are cautious with the stock market. Um, I mean, there's a lot of I think really good things happening that are conservative fiscally that that equate to, you know, some normal normalcy, if you will, in the marketplace and housing and in and in investments. So
0: I think I think also there's a little that people are starting to look at houses. I I I, I know how this has come because we all look at housing as an investment as well as somewhere in which to live. But you look at people and buying cars. I mean, like your truck with an outlet in the back, you know, I mean, yeah. would you, and maybe sometimes with these trucks, you know, this might not be the case because sometimes they keep their value, but let's just say you, you drive a Mercedes Benz off the car lot, you know, you want it because you like it, but once you drive it off the car lot, you just lost $15,000. And I think, I think there's a little of that, that people are looking at this now as uh Hey, you know what? I am going to pay a little more. I mean, I'm seeing it in the new construction part or on Lakeshore that people are saying, you know what? I want it. You know, that's fine. If, if you want it, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. And maybe, yeah, you are going to push it and you're maybe going to pay a hundred thousand more, but you know, it, but you're not expecting that. Hey, I'm buying it because the next year it's going to be worth 200,000 more people. People aren't doing that as much. I think that's a, I think that's an interesting um, point that I think people have, um, rather than it's all, Hey, if I buy it, I'm going to be able to make this money. And that's what I talk about. I said, you know, you gotta enjoy it. You know? Right. And I think a lot of people, once they start taking it away from you, like, you know, all of you in Minnesota are stuck. Oh, that's right. I live there too, but you know, that we're stuck and they took it away from you and you can't go do your stuff. Then it becomes a little like, you know, what the heck. And, uh, so I think people are looking at that a little differently now.
2: For sure.
1: I think lifestyle is so much more important than it ever was before. I think that the that the generation that kind of came up with, I, I live for a lifestyle, I don't live to work, um, is kind of changing how we look at housing, too, and changing those trends. And we talked earlier this year about how the average length of time that people are spending in their houses has really increased. That's probably a
2: big contributor of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, time I had a a guy I met with this week that was, he's been looking for a house to retire into for five years. And I said, what's the problem? And he goes, well, geez, these houses are all overpriced. And this is overpriced. And I said, here's what's going to happen. You're going to keep doing this for 15 years. What you're going to have to do is recognize you're going to buy this house. You're going to live there 10 to 15 years. And what will happen is in 15 years, when it's worth more than what you paid for it, that purchase price isn't going to matter. I mean, because it doesn't, are you in the right location where you want to be? Does it provide the lifestyle you want it to have? You know, I mean, all of those things that go into enjoying your life, like Chris was just saying, you have to put that into the equation because right now payments are great, but if you can't afford them, don't do it. But on the other hand, um, let's say that you were trying to buy a house for 500000 and that was your max budget and you couldn't find anything that you liked in that price range and you bump it up to five fifty, and now you find three houses that you like. But out of principle, you don't want to pay five fifty. So you want to lowball these people $50,000 under and they reject your offers. And it comes down to where that $50,000 over the next 20 years is money well invested. If also now you have the sport court you wanted on the lake or near the lake or wherever it is in the right school district. Now you get to have that awesome experience with your kids, with the schools. And I mean, all of that's worth something, you know what I'm saying?
0: Anyway, Totally. It's all like I had a, I had a call, um, during this trip and I was, I was talking to this one client and all, and all of a they just said, you know what, this is the best thing we've ever done. Now, these people have lived in everything, very nice houses and, uh, pretty much anywhere where they want to go. And, uh, they, they bought this house. It was just, it was really interesting because it, it wasn't the, the biggest, best and greatest house uh, that they ever had, but it was exactly what they wanted. And, uh, you know, and they didn't have to worry about what it was and how much it was, but um, and it was, it was way below what they purchased before, but they're just like, we it's the best decision we've ever made. And it was just kind of, that, that to me is, is, is kind of neat. And not a lot of people find that, you know, so. Right. Yep.
1: So general consensus is no, we're not heading into a mortgage crisis or a foreclosure crisis. And people are staying in their houses. People have equity in their houses. They're looking at improvements and getting more of the lifestyle out of their house that they, that they want.
2: Well, and I, I said this okay. to a guy two days ago, I said, if you think about this, if, if somebody puts 20% down in a house and they have a two and a half percent interest rate and it's well within their means of affordability and they default, we're all in trouble. Then sure. then we might as well enjoy it and light them all on fire because at that point, when you have that buyer that statistically has been the key mark, twenty percent down has been banks' key mark for hundred years. On, on they want twenty percent equity from a buyer, and you know FHA insures it, so you can put less money down, insure the gap. But that historically has been the everybody feels that if you have twenty percent equity, that it gives you options. Equity equals options. There's lots of equity right now, and and I, I think that, which means there's lots of options. And, and most people don't, the storm doesn't sneak up on you. Most of the time when you start getting into trouble, you have a six month to a one year to two year warning of knowing that your job is either being phased out or you're downsizing or your retirement fund's going to change. And so you can make the appropriate decisions when you move quicker. And I think that's the thing that we're all uncomfortable with. A lot of people don't like moving. A lot of people don't like the idea of, well, maybe something else will happen. I would say be a little more proactive, you know, and I, and I would... um you know, tend to lead people into a position of where they can afford what they're getting into, you know, before it happens. Yeah. Anyway.
0: Yeah. And I think the only other thing that could maybe be a problem, I mean, obviously uh, people go going to work again um, at an office building and a, a lot of those are empty uh, right now. And uh, I don't know if something, I mean, that's, I mean, there's big money involved in that, but I think it just, that could cause a little, or a a scare, possibly, if those things, uh, I mean, if if your cities go vacant, um, that might be a problem. I think people will, entrepreneurs will figure it out that they can maybe switch that stuff into condos and stuff, but you still need, I mean, that's what Courtney talked about a lifestyle. I mean, the big city, that's a lifestyle, living close to it, and, um, you know, it might help the suburbs more, and I think it has helped the suburbs more uh, right now. Um, uh, but the city never really got hurt. Um, not that I'm seeing at least, um, from everyone, you know, running away because I think it is because of that low inventory. So
1: do you think that's partially just, we don't know what's going to happen right now. So things are just kind of holding steady in the city. And once we see how these big corporations react after, the vaccine comes out and people are starting to work downtown again. Do you think that that will have an impact on potential foreclosures
2: downtown? I don't think it had anything to do with interest rates or whatever else or vaccines. It hundred percent downtown was hit with the civil unrest. People felt uncomfortable where there's people protesting outside their front doors. And it made people feel like, oh my gosh, maybe it's not safe here. Even though peaceful protests and everything can be done. It's just, it's people, I think were educated really fast on what can happen. You know, when, when things go bad or, or get upset, you know, hot, heated, whatever you want to call it. So that being the case, um, you know, I think some people change their perspective of what downtown meant. Now, if restaurants close because of COVID and there's no theater and there's no whatever and you're downtown basically living in an apartment and you don't really have all that fun stuff that comes with being downtown, the shopping and the restaurants and the walking around and seeing the lights and all the fun things that normally would be available to you or or for the for this matter, a lot of people don't feel safe downtown right now. The, the crime rates are actually statistically through the roof. It's unbelievable. And they and they're just not policing downtown like they used to. And I mean, shame on the city. I, I'll be the first one to say it. I know a lot of my friends that live down there that are struggling right now. And they and they can't get out of their places because their houses are selling for a lot less than what they're worth because nobody's buying them. It's a complete buyer's market if you want to live downtown in a condo right now.
1: That market I think will turn back around. It's just until until they get things under control with. Uh, the, the other piece of that, I, I, and I, I, you know, I think coronavirus does have something to do with it because people can't people that buy a condo downtown, they buy it for the lifestyle, whether that's their work lifestyle or their leisure lifestyle. And neither of those things exist right now, downtown.
2: Right. Well, yeah, you know, when you think about this too, there was a lot of Chris and I have talked about this before too. People buying it as the urban cabin, right? So they have their, they're up North and they come downtown on the weekends to kind of experience the city life. And, um, here, here's here's the good news time cures all so even if it's completely upside down and and you just hold off for a year or two whatever it is and also that market bounces back the lifestyles come back now now there will be people that come back because they desire that for sure
1: yeah I think in two years you'll be glad you held on to it
2: yeah
0: and that's why she's got a caricature now <laughs> that 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 upbeat Attitude
2: that's good. I'm like. positive attitude, that's why I have a place on the show. <laughs> yep,
0: yeah, but yep. We, the, needed that.
2: We, we needed that. <laughs> so if your mom and dad came to me right now and said, Hey, I want to buy a condo downtown, I'd say, from what perspective? From an investment, because you can save 200 grand. Um, and, and somebody else that's trying to liquidate and get out quick, um, sure, you know, then and then you know, you bank on that they'll come back. But I'll tell you, it wasn't that long ago where I could buy condos downtown for 150,000. Right. And they had Skyway access. And now everything's five to 700000 or $3 million. And so that market really, I don't want to say hyperextended itself, but I don't know. Anyway, let's move on to a topic that we are more comfortable with. <laughs> like, that was our topic. A, why Chris is in a <laughs> hotel room by himself?
1: he's flying back today Andy he'll be back he'll be back next week and I I uh, I'm expecting a very interesting backdrop either in his new house or somewhere cool because he's had two different backdrops the last two weeks are
2: you in like Atlanta right now or where are you
0: I I can't divulge my sources Uh, let's just say I won't be on vacation another day so I I, I don't I don't even think I'd call it vacation it's kind of funny because people are calling oh I don't want to bug you and it was like, I mean, one of the things I wanted to see is that how you could do things on, you know, online and, uh, and run business. And it's, uh, it's crazy. i talked to, uh, three different people that are looking to, uh, sell their house and we did, um, you know, zoom or Skype or how, whatever their, uh, flavor was. And, uh, every one of them took me around their house too with it. And it was really kind of, it was really kind of interesting And you know, I think that's, you know, when we talk about this whole virus thing and not being able to do things. I mean, it does make you come up with new uh, solutions. And uh, I think that's one solution that everyone is really good with, (laughs) you know, that hey, we can talk and we can meet and it's not just over the phone, but it's like, let's get all of the, you know, rather than bringing three people out to your house, let's talk over and see if if we align and that we're going to be able to work together um, Mm -hmm. and kind of say what we do, because I think, and I've always said this, I think a lot of people from agent perspective, when they go into a house, they sell that, Hey, I'll get you more for your house. You know, Uh, no, I can get you this much money. I can get you this high. And, uh, you know, rather than selling themselves, and I think online, you really got to sell yourself, you know, the house is going to do what the house is. And you can explain to them how you're going to, you know, uh, put their house in the best light or what you do to be able to get them the most amount of money. But I, I don't know. I, I, I really, I, I really like that. That's one of the, the big thing I was doing, um, you know, for the last 14 days. So.
1: So are you moving to Florida?
0: Am I going to move to, uh, no, I won't move to Florida. Fully. But anyway, <laughs> you bought an apartment. I will visit. I will visit. Yes. You
2: know what you should do, Chris? I could see you running like a tropical resort, like down in the Keys.
1: That would be cool. We can, uh-huh. we would yeah. all come visit.
2: Everybody would. As long as
0: Tom Cruise is my bartender, we're good.
1: So what do you think is different about the market down there versus the market up here? Do you think, uh, do you think there's more inventory, less inventory?
0: It, it seems like more um, inventory down there. There's, a, there's a, uh, a lot of, a lot of choices. I think I, I saw a lot of, Houses that were on the market 21 days that had been reduced $50,000, you yes. know? So I think people are trying, i was like, Hey, why, why not? The market's great. Let's try this. And then they kind of get they, the market rejects it. And so that they reduce it right away. Um, and I didn't get to, I didn't do a, a, a ton of searching, but I was looking on, um, I was trying to compare water properties, uh, and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I think a, a house on a canal that's really close uh, to the open water, like really close, um, would probably, uh, you get more house down there than you would here. And I think that's kind of,
2: uh, I think that was kind of interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's not, they don't have the big land and everyone's real, real tight and close, but uh, it's it's uh, it's alive uh, down there, which is good. Um, it's uh, you know, it's alive and it's busy and, uh, they're doing all the kind of the, the same things. Um, and then some people, you know, it, it's, it's good. It's, uh, and the weather's not too bad either. And it was almost perfect. It was like 75, 75. And that's perfect weather to me. Nice.
1: So no Rooney home experts opening up in Florida anytime soon.
0: No, no. <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs>
1: so what's going on in real estate this week guys
0: andy you got to talk
2: uh actually i've had uh, since the election i've seen a slowdown um which i kind of anticipated with buyers and showings um you know not much but probably down about 25 percent. which they remember we had that whole conversation about it takes about 45 to 60 days for that to kind of wash through everybody gets used to the news of what happened and then they go back to normal life and um but you know what's interesting is i've got uh, several houses that i'm putting on the market this month um in anticipation of beating the spring market they want to put it on right in the middle of winter um some of them are right in the middle of december some will be right after the first of january and um you know being that rates are low they're trying to help people that they you know uh don't want to wait till say April and then Austin rates are at three and a half instead of three. Mm-hmm. So they were trying to, you know, optimistically thinking ahead, try to get listed earlier, which which surprised me because Chris and I normally I'll tell people, hey, why don't you call me after Super Bowl Sunday? And that's kind oh, of also
1: not even January.
2: No. Yeah we a lot of times I'll tell people Super Bowl Sunday so February, whatever it is, um pray to homes for sure because the pray to homes always Gets everybody excited, and then you've got you know your March, April, May, June, and then it usually shuts off. But um, some people think spring means you have flowers growing, and I, I think it's not in Minnesota. No. It's, it's, uh, well,
1: piggybacking off of that hot market, we have a couple of questions from the last week. Uh, number one, the market is so hot, people are waiving inspections to be competitive. Do you? oh, I'm sorry, that was last week's question. Um, I have last week's questions.
2: What do you guys think about? Why don't you make some up? Fireball round, let's go. (laughs) Fireball round. Yep, just
1: hit us. What do you think is going to happen with the spring market? When do you think the spring market is going to start this year? When do you think it's going to end, if at all? I
0: think think it's going to be a continuation. Yeah, I think it's another continuation. I think if there was more houses on the market, there'd be more sales uh, in the market. I just look at, I put a kind of a list together of different ones that we're working with right now. And it's, it's not, uh, it's just a case of nothing being available for them. Um, and I'm, and I'm sure when it becomes available, um, you know, it's going to include lots of offers in that. And, and that's in a range. It's an interesting range. It's kind of in that six to eight fifty range, um, that there's just not a lot that's available unless it's you're, you're going to build, you know? And uh, some of those those builders in that price range aren't even you know they've got models and stuff, but they they've been building all the other ones that they they're not getting spec homes up either. So I are there a lot uh, of
1: spec homes on the market right now, or no?
0: Not many.
2: Nope. Is that because of low them, labor
1: yeah. rates or low like you just don't
2: have enough people to build them? No, people are buying them up as fast as they're building them. We I know mm-hmm. that we last year ordered like 30 some spec homes to be built. And we're like, Oh yeah, we're, we were, everybody else was kind of sheepish. We were the only ones being a little optimistic on the market and everything that we had up sold. Um, that was a big six part of our success this spring was that we we guessed correctly, but man, if it would have went the other way, we'd, we'd be selling apples on the corner right now, but um, we guessed right. And uh, and I, I think the same thing's going to happen. So We've ramped up. I've ordered about another 25 houses to be built um, with one of our builders that um, follows our lead. We do the research. We look at the markets. Um, Right now, more than ever, I'm seeing people really get specific with school districts again. I mean, it's always been in the back of their minds, but right now I'm really seeing that where certain school districts are really hot. And if it's one foot out of the school district, they don't even want to look at it.
1: I don't blame them. Do you, are people looking for when people come to you for new construction, are they first looking for that spec home or are they looking to build or is it a mix?
2: When they come to see it it depends if they're, if they're calling off of one of our ads for a new uh, development or something, then, you know, of course they're, they're trying to figure out what new costs because what's nice about new is that new ends up being, you know, I don't know, five to 10% more than existing usually on average, you know, Uh, but then you don't have the cost of ownership because it's, you pay a little bit more but then everything's brand new so you get to enjoy that for 10 15 20 years with no expenses so you your monthly payments higher but you don't have any hassles versus you buy the existing house that all of a sudden two years down the road the furnace goes out and it's fifteen thousand and and also a, a couple of years later your roof goes bad and it's thirty thousand and or the windows and it's 50 grand I mean these numbers nowadays of what is charged for renovation of houses is unbelievable I mean, to put new roof, windows, um, siding on a house, it used to be a thirty to fifty thousand dollars project. Now it's over a hundred grand. I mean, it's mega, you know. So when you're buying those big fancy houses, make sure you do a window count and look at those windows and make sure they don't have to be replaced. When you're, they can get expensive. If you're
0: yeah, looking, I think. It, I think...
1: Oh, go ahead, Chris.
0: I just said I think it becomes a problem when people are trying to get their house on the market as well and say those things need to be fixed. And that, that's, that's a big problem. I think if you're living in it and you can, you know, hang on for a couple of years, you know you'll get a contractor in there, but they're all, they're also, they're just all so busy.
1: Do you guys um, have any recommendations for listeners that are looking to potentially build what they should look for in a builder? How do you choose the builder to work with?
2: Go ahead, Chris. I,
0: I get, I, I actually became a builder because of this, um, and then ended up, well, I'm not a builder now, but I did, I owned a construction company. I became a builder because of this thing. And then I left from my partner because of that. So, um, <laughs> the, but it's warranty work is after the fact. I think that is, um, you know, everyone can build something, but if there's a problem, how do they handle it and how soon do they handle it? And, uh, I just think that is i think that's a huge a huge huge thing um for like exactly what andy was talking about if there's a problem later on um being able to fix that problem so that's that's me and then and to me also thinking about those problems before they ever happen so not putting you in a position of using um lesser materials or uh Easier way to get around something to give you more square footage to that in five years, it's going to be, you know, a problem.
2: Agreed. And I think that, you know, the other thing you can do for yourself is when you shop um new, um, and you're you're just trying to compare builders, obviously the location is very important, but there there is such a wide variety. It's almost identical to cars. For yep, they're all cars, yes, they're all houses, but there are some that come stripped and they're a great value. And there's some that come really loaded, luxurious and fast um, with the best of the best, but they're, they're obviously very expensive. So um, what I would look at personally was the experience that you have when you build. So if you're going to buy a spec home, that's a lot different, in my opinion, than if you're buying um, or you're ordering a house that it takes, uh, you know, six months to a year to build. That's totally different, whole different experience. So if you're going to build a house from scratch, I would really take a look at the builders and I would ask them what their standard features are meaning like what is included when you say there's a big number, it's, you know, 430,000 for the house plus the lot plus the right. And they kind of do the plus, plus, plus what's included in that base. And then say, what are the number one, two, three items that people upgrade on your houses when you build them? What's interesting is the variety of answers you're going to get. Well, a lot of people upgrade my carpet or a lot of people upgrade the cabinets or a lot of people upgrade the doors, whatever that thing is. And then you ask like, what is that? But the all-inclusive package where you when you can walk into a model and say, I want everything I see right here. As you see it, what is the price on this? And what's amazing is like even some of these builders that are the cookie cutter builders are like, well, we're advertising from 350. And the quote we gave you was just 425. Well, this model, as you see, it's 750. And you're like, what? Because of all the options they add and all the windows and the bump outs in the dining area and all these things that make that house feel amazing. All of a sudden, when they get your house built, you feel like it's a lot. So be careful. I'd say, you know, make sure that you understand what you're getting more than what, who the builder is. Um, You know.
1: One last question for you guys, before we jump off, if you're considering selling in the spring and we talk about this a lot, but I feel like it bears, bears like, Asking again, what would you recommend the number one thing people do now going into, you know, we're going into the end of the year, holiday season, all of those things. What's the number one thing you would recommend that people do now if they're going to sell or thinking about selling in the spring?
0: Talk to a realtor. Get a realtor in there to be able to tell you exactly what uh, those things you you do need to do to be able to get ready. Get a realtor in as soon as you possibly can. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of advice you can get that if you have the time between. Here's what I would say too: the the windows um, go a lot faster than you think. So you know, meaning the time windows. So you think, oh well, we'll just we'll wait till after the first of the year, then we'll think about it and get started. And then all of a sudden, you realize your windows are out. You know, eight weeks if you order them. Your carpet might be back ordered right now. Everything is. I mean, I'm telling you, this COVID thing drives me crazy. But it everything seems to be back ordered. Everything seems to be out weeks and weeks and weeks. With no guaranteed delivery dates so i always would also make my projects based on what's in stock shop the items that are in stock so you can do it sooner um understand that things take more time i mean we just ordered um some closet systems for our own house and you think well they'll just make it and deliver it tomorrow uh no they're months out so i mean they come out now and they order it now but it it takes months to get you on the schedule to line everything up and then they bring the countertop guy out and then they bring the electrician and they move your outlets. And all of a sudden it becomes a five month project that you thought was going to get done in two weeks. And it's just, that that's the way it goes. So understand, I think, or appreciate that right now, the marketplace, you have to be a little more patient with those contractors. Cause they are like Chris said earlier, they're very busy. And to get the best, which is worth paying for, I would, I would wait for the best, you know?
0: And I think one other thing, if you want a physical thing, that someone can do, you know, during the holidays and don't want to be able to is declutter and organize. Yep. That's a, another monster thing to be able to do and get started on because that usually takes a long time. But don't don't take away, I mean, when I say that, I mean declutter and organize garages and storage areas and closets. Don't take away all the other stuff inside because sometimes we need that stuff. Um, or what you think might be clutter might be something really good and the stuff that you don't think is clutter is the stuff we need to get rid of so that's what i would be doing especially in these covid days i've I've been hearing that a lot people are organizing and decluttering right now
2: oh yeah well and not only that but you they have their free time and they want to stay inside they don't you know you don't have time to go kill running around shopping or eating at restaurants so you do have the time now to really focus on those projects um get the dumpsters and and or a pod or both and have them sitting in the driveway. And you know, if you haven't used it in six months and you can't donate it, go to the dumpster. If you're gonna use it at the next place, put it in the pod and and get that stuff out of that house. I I've had like Chris is saying, I've had people where they declutter their whole house and before I even get there, and then I get there and I'm like, I, I'd keep going. Um, I think I'd go another level, and they're like, You gotta be kidding me. We're I feel like we're living in this house and it's naked, there's nothing on the walls. There's, but I'm telling you, you, you want to be able to visualize what you're selling and 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 you know, think about spatial. Awareness. If something's in its space and it's make like you're worried about hitting your knees on a table, you're not looking up and looking out the windows and seeing the beautiful view. So you you want to you know eliminate a, the uh, obstacles. You want to let people walk freely through the house to experience the highlights of the home. And I, I call it merchandising uh, more than staging because that's the finishing touches. The you know get the distractions out of the way so people focus on the house and what you're really giving them, right. How long
1: does that time, Andy, How long does decluttering typically take for your clients? Like, when do they start, and and how long does it take? Because you guys talk about this a lot. Three months. Is that number right there. Thirty no. years.
0: I have a client that's on on their third year right now doing it.
1: No, oh my gosh, it yeah. takes a long time. It's a it's a it's thirty five thousand square foot house, but it's
2: you
0: know. <laughs> it would, like it would take my wife. It would take my wife three days. She's already kind of organized, and it takes some people three years. So, just it's, to uh, up. it's totally, totally all over the board on that.
1: So, so, even if you're thinking about selling in a year, you should potentially. I always do this after Christmas. Uh, the kids get all their new toys. We do a full house declutter and we purge everything that we're not using. I start with the storage room, clean everything out when I'm putting all the Christmas decorations away, and just work my way through the whole house. It's not a bad idea to start doing
2: you know, your your purge a year ahead of time. Yeah. 100%. I think you're, you're comfortable then too, because you can make the decisions. Like if you have a maybe pile and you put the maybe pile together and you give yourself the time of man, the whole time I've been using that maybe pile, I haven't used any of it. And so maybe now I'll get rid of it instead of maybe keeping it and, and, or you don't need it. Right. But. I think in life, we go through life accumulating crap. I mean, from the time we're little kids, we collect rocks and sticks. And it's just, it's human nature to be hunters and gatherers, I think. And and you gather all that stuff over the years. And especially when you're accumulating your your wealth as a young person, you just, you think, oh, I bought that new couch. I can't get rid of it now, even though it has a hole in it. I'm going to keep it because I paid for it. And, and there's a little bit of that pride going on there too. So I think for some people like myself, I, I'd probably have the same couches. I'd probably renovate them. I, you know what I mean? Versus my wife would be like, light a match, you know, get them gone. And so it's good to balance that out, you know? I heard you found your CD collection this week. Oh, yeah. That was so awesome. So I, I found the, uh, the I forget, what are they called, Lisa? The Now It's Christmas or something CDs, <laughs> one, two, and three. And I'm like, I got to find a CD player. My truck doesn't have one. Her truck doesn't have one. I know. So I, I go downstairs, I found a boom box. And I put it in there and I'm like, <laughs> Crystal clear. I love CDs, man. I, 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 yeah. I think we're foolish. We're passing up a big opportunity, getting rid of the CDs.
0: And they probably that have though, that album on Spotify, just so you know. But on that note, it's time understand. to declutter. Yeah, yeah. I'm going
2: to declutter my brain. I, uh, I, you guys, just so you know, I did have an ancestry test on, on myself and right in my, my description, it says that based on my lineage or my history, my family history, that I will have a tendency to keep things that I don't use anymore. <laughs> I'm not. Jo- I'm not joking with you. Set it right in there.
1: I didn't realize that was a genetic thing. Yeah, they said that you're
2: probably well, it's
1: not, crap.
0: It's not Andy's fault.
2: I'm not a hoarder. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> that's that's because of Lisa, though.
2: Correct. <laughs> an Anti hoarder wife. Otherwise, I'd live in mounds of uh, you know screw. The one thing I'll say, ending with this. It still drives me crazy. I'm not the big recycling green guy or whatever, but I go out to my job sites and I look at how much waste there is on those job sites. And because it's there's three boards, and they're like, ah, we don't want to call the lumberyard for three boards. They throw it in the dumpster, and I'm like, I literally, <laughs> I'm like all the time pulling out. I could build a, a deer hunting stand with this, and I could. And I, my kids are like, Dad, seriously, stop, buddy. But I'm like, it's so wasteful, and I wish we could do something with it. Maybe we should get a club of guys and gals to get together and we build dog houses or something with that extra. Yeah. Or that waste or something. I don't know.
1: Well, on that note, guys, we're going to wrap up this week's show. And maybe we can talk about the dog house club (laughs) next week.
2: You know, (laughs) Hey, I focus on selling houses 95% of the time.
1: Or the welding club. I heard, I also heard about the welding club. So maybe I'm
2: still taking applications for my welding club. uh, Chris, I, I bought a welding table. And I put it out in my garage. My wife calls it my island. I, you can't put anything on the welding table unless it's a project. And I'm like, I've never welded in my life, but I watch all these car shows. I'm like, I've got it. I'm just, I'm gonna get a new hobby. I'm gonna weld. And then I started looking at welders. I didn't even know what welder to buy. And I go, I don't, What am I gonna make? So we've only bought the table say, so far, but it's coming together.
0: There's something to say about that, though, Andy. You're gonna have something to do as you as you grow older and don't have a a job. I was sitting on the beach uh i was actually on uh on the ocean and uh i was watching these people and there's this one guy that's got all these fishing rods set up there's another guy walking around with a camera taking i mean an unbelievable camera taking all these pictures another one with a metal detector walking around i'm just sitting there i'm like what am i gonna do <laughs> i have nothing <laughs> this is not good so maybe i'll come help you weld and do dog houses we can hey, weld listen, a dog house
2: How about that we, we could we should open up a t-shirt shop With all those stupid t-shirts that say all the funny stuff. Yeah. I I think we'd be great t-shirt salesmen. With ice cream cones out the one hand.
0: We'd have, just going back on these podcasts, we'd have it up for 10 years on the t-shirt. So, anyways.
2: Well, guys, thanks
1: so much for joining us today. We're glad that you got to join us for the foreclosure conversation and everything else that we talked about on this very random show. Uh, if you have not had a chance, please give us a like and a follow on the Real Estate Radio our page on Facebook. Follow us on your, or subscribe to our channel on your favorite podcasting app. Give us a review if you are so inclined. If you have recommendations or questions for the show, including guest recommendations or questions you'd like us to answer, uh, share them with us. Shoot them over to me, Courtney at AmplifyApp.com. And until next week, have a great week, guys.
0: Thanks for joining us this week. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.